We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. We're just going to take a quick second to review. And I have a dear pastor friend, and he would, he would do sermon series, and they would run, I don't know, seem like 20, 30 times long. And I'm like, how in the world does anybody preach a message and it run out like for 20 or 30 times? Now, I understand that the Bible is a very vast and has very vast subjects in it. But then I begin to catch on of what he was doing. Every time he would preach, he would spend 20 minutes reviewing what he talked about the last time and only really give you about 10 minutes. And why is the teacher laughing over here? The teacher's laughing, right? Because we need to hear things more than once, right? And I think she would even say yes to that. But last week we started a series. It was actually entitled Fighting the Good Fight of Faith. And we quoted the scripture out of 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12. And it reads like this. It says, but you, Timothy... You are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith for the true faith. Hold tightly to eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. But rather than just run to that scripture right away, we decided to go back and like, Talk about faith a little bit, right? What is faith? But we kind of actually interjected something, and I want to thank all of you that had so many nice compliments um, about last week. Um, thank you for some of the questions, and thank you for not let, making me answer all of them right then when you asked them. Uh, but there was a common question that kind of came up like, Part of my desire that I felt like the Holy Spirit was trying to say is, is it possible that we not only look at faith as a thing, but as a who? And I can see like some of you are still struggling with that, and I'm believing that the spirit of revelation will ride in and give that to you. But one thing that came to mind uh, out of those questions and some of the questions from you was, is, isn't it very similar that we say all the time, that God is love. But isn't true love or agape love a thing that we can have and show other people? But it's also a who, right? God is love. There's scripture for that. So when we shifted gears, we actually shifted the scripture to come away to describe really what faith was, and we went to Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it reads like this. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But then we're like, well, what is this word substance, right? What does that word substance mean? In the Greek, we found out it was some crazy word that kind of sounds like hippopotamus or hypostasis, but it actually means to be under the authority of and it also means that we are actually bound to it with ropes and chains. And so here's the thing that I struggled with and maybe some of you related to last week when we would talk about faith and things didn't seem to always go the way that I thought according to my faith. 
here that according to my faith and what I thought faith was, I would try to muster up faith on my own. If I could just do this more, I'd have a little more faith. If I could just do this, then I'd have a little bit more faith. Or I'd be praying for somebody, and I wouldn't see in the natural anything be happening. And I would just be like, oh, God, and I'd try to work it. I would try to work it up. I think that's the thing. When we only see faith as a thing, we always are striving for it. And also, it almost at times, when we only see it as a thing, looks at it, becomes a thing of just a list of do's and don'ts in our life. The thing that we're bound to, the contract, very easily when it's just a thing, sometimes it just looks like a list of do's and don'ts. And there's a group called Barna Group. They do surveys and studies. And in one of their surveys, they said they surveyed people who had fallen away from the faith. Right? And in the top five reasons that Barna listed, they listed one of the top five things is because people felt like it was just a list of things to do and don't do. If I become a Christian, I can't do this anymore. I can't do that. And, and that's what happens when we really don't have a full grasp and understanding that when we are joined to faith in Christ, when we get saved, we are under authority and we have been bound by a contract. But it's not just a contract because if we let faith become a person, it becomes a covenantal contract. It becomes a relational thing that then when we understand the other person that we're under the authority of or in the contract, it gets harder to leave that thing. Do you hear me this morning? It's, it's a little harder when faith isn't just a thing, but it's a who. And the who is Jesus. It's God. He's faith. And when we're connected to him, it gets a little harder to walk away from it, you know? And so there's a story um, in the Bible. You all might have heard of this story, but there was a group of disciples that were following Jesus, hanging out with him. And he tells them, yo, get in the boat. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Appreciate that. You know the story. Get in the boat. We are going to the other side. Then what happened? The Bible says something very close to this. Quickly or suddenly, a storm arose out of nowhere, right? So it seemed peaceful, at least the way I read that. It was fairly peaceful when they got on the boat. They didn't seem to be afraid, or at least the Bible does not mention that. But Jesus tells them, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Have any... Have any of you ever in your life heard God say something to you? Raise your hand. You felt like God has said something to you in your spirit. However, and then immediately you're met with an adversary or a storm in your life. And it causes you to begin to question. Or maybe it doesn't even cause you to question. Maybe all it does is it shifts your focus from what the master was doing or the one that you were in under authority or in covenant with or in contract with to see that he was sleeping. What was he doing? What did he say? We lose our focus and our focus goes to the storm. And that's when the chickens might have came out last week. The disciples. Paraphrasing. 
They freaked out a little bit. Master, master, wake up. We're about to die. Master, master, wake up. They were running around. Not going to do it. I told myself I wasn't going to do it. They were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And I've been there. You've heard that testimony. So the master, or Jesus, awakens. And what happens when he awakens? What does he tell them? Wakes up. What are you guys so worried about, right? What are you guys so worried about? You people of little faith. So little faith. But if we look at faith as not just something that we have, maybe we can consider in this uh, passage of Scripture that Jesus was saying, don't you know me? You of so little faith, you who don't know me so well. You hear what I'm saying? When faith isn't just a thing, but it's a person, you who don't know me so well, really? Have I ever let you down? You see, that's what covenantial, con the contract part, comes into play. It's relational, and it's not just a thing. Didn't I say you should have faith? Yeah, but, but when we understand that it's not just a thing, it's a who. Man, what did I tell you? Have I ever let you down? It would have been a big bummer when I made plans with Pastor Damien on the National Day of Prayer to meet at Subway, whatever it was, a couple weeks later, if he didn't show up. I would have no security in that relationship going forward. And what if he said, hey, you know what? He calls me, hey, brother, something come up. Okay, gracious, right? We're gracious. Okay, let's do it next week, same time, same place. Okay, but he doesn't show up. Do you see where that relationship's going? But has God ever been that way to you? <coughs> I saw a bunch of people jumping up and down and praising and worshiping the Lord this morning because I believe that you believe something in your heart. God's faithful. We can go through some tough stuff, but God is still faithful because he is faith. Amen. I hope that you get this revelation and I'm praying in my heart and I want you to understand one thing that I didn't really share this in its entirety last week and before we kind of move on, whatever, but I've been studying this for several months and somehow got bamboozled into sharing some of it with y'all. But I went through a time in studying this that I just tell you what, I felt I was miserable. I was miserable. I just going to be real honest with you. Like, I have never felt like just, oh, everything I knew, right, in my relationship with the Lord was being tested and tried. And get this, especially my identity, right? You, you're probably saying, why? Well, some of you know why, right? Because you know that was one of my weak points. Who am I in Christ? Right? And I would constantly let the devil try to come in. And he, that's what he was doing again. And even though I knew, like, oh, I would say to myself, man, that's not true. That's not the truth. That's not what God says about me. God says I am a son. God says that he, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that he knew me before the foundation of the world. I would begin to say stuff like that. But still the heaviness and the power of the enemy was trying to come in, right? He was trying to do what? He was trying to shift the focus Trying to shift the focus off of truth and faith and shift it onto him. 
And so I've said this a few times, but I feel impressed to say it again, that we have to understand that that's just the way of the enemy. Do you hear me? In the beginning, there wasn't a thing is what we call worship is warfare. There was never a thing like that. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and earth, it was perfect. Lucifer was the great worship leader in heaven. And I gotta believe that he was an amazing singer and an amazing musician. Whatever that looked like, I don't honestly totally know. But I have to think that if he was created by God, he was probably pretty good at it. But then one day he got a thing in his spirit where he saw how much praise and worship and glory that the father was getting. And he's like, ah, I want that. And pride began to creep in. And you guys know the story. So then he gets kicked out of heaven and a third of the angels go with him. And that's when warfare started. And that's when he, all he wanted to do was shift the focus to himself. And that's all I found myself that day in the truck was just the pressure of just the enemy and my flesh and the world trying to shift the focus to them and their faith instead of what I knew what the truth was. And I remember saying this out of my mouth and, and embarrassingly a little bit. I don't know if I can keep doing this, Lord. So much going on at church. There's so much going on at work. Where's the focus? So much going on at work. So much going on at church. So much going on in personal lives of people that I know. I just don't think I can do this anymore. I looked down in my truck and there was a book in there. This little book. It isn't any bigger than that. I don't know where she's at. If she's here this morning. I saw, I saw her. Elder Melissa gave it to me. She came up to me one day like Elder Melissa does, so chipper and friendly. And she's like, I got you a little book. I think Holy Spirit told me to give it to you. I'm like, okay, thank you. And here's the honest part. I took it and threw it in my truck. Right in the console. And I never read it. It was a devotional, though. But that day, I saw that book laying there. And I opened up to the, the day that it was. And all it was was about who you are in Christ and how much he loves you. And I read that. It wasn't more than two paragraphs. And it was so good, I shared it. And you want to talk about breakthrough. The word of God broke through and my faith rose up because I was feeding my faith and not feeding fear of what the world said or my flesh said or what the devil was trying to do at the moment. And faith began to rise up. And I'm not saying that at a praise for me. I'm just letting you know your faith in this word is always going to be tested. It's always going to be tested. That's why Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And I love this yesterday, and I hope you hear this, and I hope you can all shout it at the same time. But what makes... Now listen, I don't like to fight. Is there anybody in here that just says, oh, I like 
I like to fight. I know there's some boxers and they get into all that. God bless them. I've got a friend that's a boxing coach, but are there people that just like to fight? Nobody? Not one? You're all afraid like it's a bad thing, maybe. I don't know. Is it a bad thing? What's going to happen if I raise my hand? I am not a fighter. I run from every chance of fighting. Yeah, that I can. But I love the fact yesterday, like when we were in men's group, the last Saturday of every month, we have men's meeting, nine o'clock. We have cool things like bacon, sausage, gravy, and biscuits, breakfast, pizza, fruit, yogurt, just so we can tell our wives we had healthy stuff there. It's an amazing time. But when I brought this question to the group yesterday, a few of them at the same time shouted this out. I said, what makes a fight a good fight? Winning. Say it again. Winning. Winning. Hello. I know one thing. I may not like to fight, but I knew if I ever did, I want to win. Right? I don't want to be the guy on the ground. <laughs> Somebody pummeling you to death and you get up. Oh, yeah. That was a good fight. Way to go, brother. <laughs> Nobody ever says that, right? It's the one that you win. Well, I want to, before we move on, I want to ask you a question. Have you been a part of any team and you ever won something? Yes? yes? Yeah, I'm not talking about upwards where everybody gets a trophy. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I love upwards. I do tease them, though, sometimes. Like, everybody gets a trophy. But where you, have you ever been a, and you won something? Have you ever been on a team and you won something? Everybody's hand in this place should be raised right now. You're a part of the team of Jesus Christ. You've entered into covenantal relationship with him and you win. And that's what the enemy is trying to get you to think that you've already lost and distract you from believing that and knowing that. And if you operate from that place and you can only operate from being still and sitting in the seat that he placed you in next to the Father in heaven, it changes the whole way you operate your life. Because you know, like, what are you going to do, devil? Isn't it a weird thing to know that the devil is fighting a battle with you, but you've already won the war? It's weird. It's all he's got, though. It's all he's got to try to convince you and pull you from the kingdom. That's all he's got. Because he knows when the final one comes, it's done. And he's victorious. And if you're with him, you win. Amen? So Paul has, he's talking to Timothy and he tells him to fight this good fight and the good fight of faith. And we've, we've already established that probably the best fight is the one that you win. Sometimes you wonder like, how did I even get in this fight? I don't really remember wanting all this. So when I got saved, it kind of went something like this, right? Somebody came to me and started telling me about Jesus. But this is what they said to me. Jim, if you accept Jesus into your heart, you get to go to heaven. Praise God. Where do I go if I don't go to heaven? They mentioned something about hell. But here's where it got a little funny for me. By the way, Jim, if you do that, you won't have any problems anymore. All right, 
right? Hello. Just kidding. I'm like, really? I mean, I didn't know. I'm like, sign me up. That sounds good. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven, and I don't want to have any more problems. Well, you can imagine how that went, right? About a month later, after accepting the Lord, it just seemed like one thing after another, right? Because I didn't know. I wasn't mature, and I didn't have anybody discipling me about faith, what faith looked like, how to walk in faith, how to live by faith. I didn't know any of that. Again, back to the importance of disciples, like Pastor was saying, if you're in the room today and you say, man, that's me, God has set our church up so we can put you on a path to grow. And I'm just like, man, the 51-year-old me is saying to the young teenager, where was that? Where was that? Now, I understand that I had to be a willing participant and agree to do it, but nonetheless, where was that at, man? God. And that's our heart's desire. But we've got this fight, and again, the good fight of faith. We know what faith is, but you know the Greek word in this context for fight is like agonizii. You know what our word is for that? Agony. Help me, Jesus. Agony. But listen, back to when I got saved. I kind of wish somebody would have told the truth. But if we were really told the truth, I wonder what our answer would be, right? But the Bible does say consider the cost. However, listen to this. Maybe when we got saved, it looked a little more something like this, like what was actually happening? I told you what happened to me, but what was happening really in the spiritual realm? What was happening in the physical realm in my life? Maybe it looked a little bit something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, New Life Christian Ministries, are you ready? I said, are you ready? Let's get ready to rumble. That's what happens when you get saved. Because what you didn't know, you got to a fight. The Bible says, and the Lord declares, that you are either for me or you are either against me. It may not be the intention because we don't know, but it's still the truth nonetheless. We are either for him or we are either against him. So that day that we got saved and we chose to side on the side of the Lord, I believe that we got the enemy's attention. And I wanna share with you why I believe that. There's only one that is all-knowing. Amen? Is there only one that can be everywhere at once? So is that person the devil? Can the devil be everywhere at once? Now, however many angels he has, he's got a few, right? But he has to be strategic in what he does. So I don't think he spends a lot of time messing with people that aren't saved. Maybe a little, I don't really know. I'm just telling you, this is just a thought to consider and you can bring it back to the word of God and I hope you do. But listen, when you get saved, I think a little radar goes off. Hey, screw tape. Somebody just got saved. Did you hear it? Let's get ready to rumble. 
And so we get the attention of the enemy and the fight starts. The fight for your faith starts immediately. What are you gonna believe? And who are you gonna believe in? And here's the thing about this is we have to understand that there's really more against us than just the devil. And I used to blame the devil for everything. Maybe some of you know about that. The devil this, the devil that. And I'm not saying he wasn't a part of it. But do you know when you got saved? And let's just envision that Pat and Angie have ringside seats. Ding, 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 ding. And there's a rope here and this is a boxing ring. Right? It's a little one. That seems unfair, especially for a guy that doesn't like to fight. And I'm in my corner. Sorry, those of you who are being blessed by that fan. And I get saved, and I'm in my corner. I got my team behind me. They're giving me a little massage. They got my mouthpiece. They're getting me ready, right? But over here in this corner, they got their team. They got the devil, who now really hates you because he never loved you anyway. He doesn't operate like that. But then you got the world. They don't like God either. And you got your own flesh. There's three. Now I want you to picture something for a minute. Back in the day, I was 178 pounds soaking wet. And if you told me, all right, Jim, Get in the fight. You got this. Come on. We're with you. We've, you haven't trained much, but I know they're pouring water on you, getting you ready. And you're just, just going down. I don't know why that song always comes up. But anyway, you got your rocky moment. And all of a sudden, you, you shake off and you look up. And you see over there, there's the devil. And then out steps from the devil, you see the world. You're just like... And then you see your picture of your flesh. You're like, hey man, which one of those am I fighting? And you hear the whisper, all three, all three. Did I mention I really don't like to fight? I really like that love and grace thing. That was awesome. Can we just do more of that? Yeah. Even when you were dead in trespasses and sins, I love that one. You love me. Oh, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. I don't even know what that means. And I shared this in Wednesday night Bible study one night. And here's what happened. And it was so surreal. And I loved every minute of it. I think she's downstairs. Anyway, I told that story on a Wednesday night. And Pastor Brooke was up here. And she's like, hey, you know, can I, can I just say something? And I wish I could articulate it, and I'm gonna do my best. But she says, when you said that, she's like, her, her shoulders went back in her seat. She was sitting in her seat. Her shoulders went back, and she said, all I saw was, okay, she didn't snap. I'm just adding that for Hollywood effect. <laughs> you know Hollywood, they always embellish on everything, right? But in kind of context, she said, all I saw was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and yourself. It's four against three. This ain't nothing. This ain't nothing. 
This ain't nothing. But here's the thing. Do you see what was happening in that moment of that illustration? The focus was trying to get you on the world to get your flesh to allow you to have control. Let the flesh live in you and not be that new creation that the Bible says that we are in Christ Jesus. So do we believe that? Do we believe that by faith? Because how many times have any of you, has the devil ever reminded you of your past? Just one, praise God, thank you, Deb. One person. How many of you, just before you came to church, the devil tried to remind you? Right? Your old man yelling at the kids or the wife or whatever on your way to church. Because that's, the devil knows that's all he's got is to shift your focus from the truth. He wants to shift your focus and get you to forget that before, the bell hasn't even rung yet. We're still sitting here, right? You just get to see, and they're playing all their cool music, you know, going on and on, and you're just thinking, I'm gonna die. But this is the point where your faith becomes the fight. What do you believe? What do you believe about what the Word of God says about you? What do you believe about what the Word of God says who God is and what He can do That's when you say, this isn't anything. And here's the thing, we think that when the bell rings, that we're gonna get up and we're gonna go over here and we're just gonna boom, right? The whole Carmen thing, we're gonna destroy the devil. But you know what? That ain't how it happens. When the bell rings, this is what happens to those who really believe. Ding, ding, ding. Give me one second. Excuse me, one second. God, I thank you today that I am who you say I am. I thank you that the old man is dead and the new man is living. Excuse me, hold on one second. I'll be right with you. Yeah, Jesus, I thank you that I'm a son, God, and everything that you are is mine according to your purposes and according to your word, and they are yes and amen, Father God, and I thank you that greater is he that is in me than he who is in this world, and I thank you that my flesh is dead and that I am no longer subject to the slave of the enemy, but I am a new man and I am free in Christ. I'll be right with you, just one second. Hallelujah, Jesus, thank you, God, that I am new and you are living, that you're a resident God and you live on side of me, and I don't even need to fight this battle right now because if I don't, you'll fight it for me. Hey, are you ready now? And this is what we do. We sit back down and we be still. We gotta remember, by faith, we don't fight that battle. We don't fight that battle. We fight it right here with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. But we don't run around like chickens with our head cut off and so that the rooster father has to come out and clean up the mess. But we sit and we be still until he says do something. Now I said that and it rolled off of my tongue so smooth and it sounds so easy sometimes. But you heard my story last week that even one of your own pastors in the midst of a storm failed. When the devil came and challenged my faith and my family and my daughter was on the line, I got up out of that seat and I went over and started to fight. And it cost me something. 
It actually cost me financially. Hello? If you remember the story about the plane tickets and all that, it cost me something financially. Sometimes there's a price to pay when we're not in the will of God. I know we don't want to hear that, and trust me, my billfold did not want to hear that. <laughs> yes, Mr. Lewis, we can help you. It'll only be just $600. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and by the way, we didn't even end up leaving. This is the most embarrassing part. When we finally got settled down, like, there's no need to leave. She's fine. Pastor Brooke was with her. She was in good hands. You know, we were in Florida. She's fine, trust me. I knew after it was all said and done, he's like, don't you trust me? All I could hear was the disciples in the boat. Oh, you a little faith. And I felt like he wasn't just saying like, you don't have any faith inside of you, but don't you know me, faith itself, well enough to know that I'm never gonna leave you? That I'm never gonna forsake you? So just because the storm came and it got a little hard, what do you believe about me? And this is where faith isn't just a thing, but it's a who. And we've got to stop looking at faith like that and, and just solely like that. God, I just thank you right now, God, for your revelation writing in right now. I come against any attack of the enemy on our minds right now. God, may your true revelation ride in like the wind right now in Jesus' name and help us to understand what faith really looks like. God, anything that's tried to come from our past that isn't the word of God and isn't in our lives the way that they should be, God, we curse it right now and we rebuke it in the name of Jesus, God, and we let your word, your revelation of your word rise up inside of us. Blow across us now, right now, Holy Spirit, Jesus' name. We've kind of understood about faith and the good fight, but I want to interject something that is really the, the substance, excuse me, of our empowerment. We have to understand one thing, that the faith that we have is really a gift from God. I know, I hear some of you. I promise you, I'll explain. There's a scripture in Mark eleven twenty two. I think the New Living Translation reads a little something like this. It says, have faith in God. Or then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. If you got your Bibles today, let's, let's turn to that real quick. Mark 11. Isn't God good? So Mark eleven twenty. 20, uh, this is the Passion Translation, so I apologize, but uh, we're gonna read it this way anyway. In the morning, they passed by a fig tree that Jesus spoke to, and it was completely withered from the roots up. And Peter remembered and said to him, Teacher, look, 
That's the fig tree that you cursed, and it's now all shriveled up, and it's dead. And this says, Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. Or the New Living Translation says, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth that you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it might happen. Oh, it will happen, okay. Maybe we'll read that again. May you be lifted up, he's talking to the mountain here, may you, the mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. Now, we all know that that scripture has gotten taken way out of context sometimes. I understand that. But let's go back to just the little thing where he says, have faith in God. Now, either some of you are going to love me after this, or you're not going to like me so much. But I've committed to myself, it's okay, and I am not an English teacher. However, if you remember a long time ago, I brought a word about the Great Commission, and we always say, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And some really smart people who study linguistics and hermeneutics and all that fun stuff like that, when they really dove into it, and even though they have debated over the truth of it, they're still wrestling over the fact that it actually might read, since you're going anyway, make disciples. You're going anyway. Again, I'm not trying to change the word of God, but it does make you pause and give thought to it. So if you really get into this scripture in Mark 11 and 22, and where Jesus says, have faith in God, some of those same people think that it can be difficult sometimes when you translate a word from the Greek into English. It can be difficult sometimes and not always the easiest to get it right. But we found that to be true with our friends in Hungary. Um, when they come, they don't speak any English. And likewise, when we talk to them, it's tough for them to understand, and so we get a translator, right? And one time, a pastor friend of ours is teaching or whatever, and the translator just stops and says, wait a minute. And she's just standing there, and it gets really silent, and it gets awkward. And so the pastor says, well, what's the problem? And she's like, there's no word for that. In Hungarian, there's no word for what you're saying. There's no easy way to translate that. So I only bring this up to mention that in this scripture that some of those same professionals that are born again Christians and that they have dedicated their lives to linguistics and Bible translation think that here that maybe this could be a poor translation. Of course, we know in the Greek, the word theo is God, right? It means God. Here's where the English teacher, maybe Angie should be up here teaching this because I I started reading this. I had to look words up, and I'm like, I don't remember any of this. Probably why I got a D in English. Oh, I'm not bragging about that why. Anyway, the Greek word for God is theo. And in this case, have faith in God, even though we'll see in a minute 
Maybe that's not how it should quite read. We understand that the word God is in the genitive case. How many understand what that is? I love you people. <laughs> did you raise your hand? She did not. Wow, I could say whatever I want right now. Not even the teacher knows. The genitive case in this sense is indicating that faith is a possession of the other noun, which is God, right? Okay, hear me, listen. It's saying in this case, have faith in God, that faith is a possession of the other noun. The other noun is God. It's his possession. Do you hear me? Have faith in God. So this is what it's saying. I want you to get this this morning and hear me. It's this faith that belongs to God because it is he who is perfect faith. God is perfect faith, right? When we think of faith, he's the thing that we look to. He's the plumb line because it's who he is. He can only give a himself of what he is as a possession. Hello? He can only give him himself what he is. It's not just something that he has. It is him. He is faith. He's the faithful one. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Get this in our spirits this morning. Help me to get it, Holy Spirit. I'm still getting a genitive case. I never even heard. I must have been totally asleep that day. So we understand that faith is a possession of God, right? And that faith is God. The verb is what? Smart people have, thank you. Remember when you had to diagram sentences and underline the prepositional phrases? Ugh, I just started to get that same kind of throw up -y feeling in my mouth in English class. <laughs> but here, have is in the passive voice in English, it's in the passive voice. How many here know what that is? God just knew, didn't he? Like, one, all right, I'm gonna go like this, she already knows, no. The passive voice, which means it's in a relationship, so this actually means that we have to receive something from it, from an external source, namely God himself. So maybe the better way to say this rather than to have faith in God is have God's faith. I'm gonna explain or try to. So, this is my phone. Whose phone is it? It's gonna get weird, but let's just say it's, it's Jim's phone. Everybody say Jim's phone. So who's talking here? Who's talking? Then Jesus said, so who's talking? Jesus is talking. So it's gonna get weird, but sorry, you're in the front row. You'll know next time I'm preaching, don't sit in the front row. But if I give this to Pat, now I want you to give it to Angie, but I want you to say whose it is. What would you say if we think about it this way? Have Jim's phone. Have Jim's phone. Have Jim's phone. 
right? So Pat gave Angie whose phone? Jim's phone. Now give it back. What are you doing with it? <laughs> Rather than just have faith in God, when we read it this way and we really understand what the Greek is saying, have God's faith. It's a gift. But then if that happens, what did Angie actually have to do to make this sense? She had to have, there was an action. She had to take it. Now back to the way beginning of when we started this thing and I talked about, well, we got to work this thing up. I got to do this. I, 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 I. It wasn't yours to begin with. Faith is a gift from God. The mere fact that you're here in this morning and you're saved is a gift from God. I don't sit on my front porch where I live a lot. I love where I live. We've lived there a long time. It can be a little crazy where I live sometimes. A lot of interesting things happen on our street. But the few times that I've sat on my porch, I've never ever saw somebody walking down the street and say, I just need Jesus. I just need Jesus. I've never seen that. Like, oh, Jesus, you're mine. I've never seen that. And what I'm getting at is it's not your idea to begin with. No man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. God opens our eyes to see, to see because we're blind and we don't even know we need him, right? Would that be true, Troy? God opened your eyes this one day. Man, I, I need Jesus, bro. I'm messed up. And he's the one that made a plan and saved me. And when he did that, he gave you the gift of salvation. But guess what else he gave you? Would he give you the gift of salvation and not empower you in a way to walk it out? So he gave you the gift of faith to believe that everything he said in his word is true. He gave it to you. Well, what are you doing with it? Are you using it? There's a saying, if you don't use it, I'm just telling you, if you don't use faith, the devil has a very easy inroad to shift the focus on the very thing that God gave you of himself. Do you hear what I'm saying? The very thing that God gave you of himself. That's the source of your faith, is God himself. And he gave you every man. He gave you to every man a measure of faith. I say this a lot, but when God makes an investment, regardless of how long it takes, he wants a return. They're free, but he wants something, and it's glory. He wants glory from that investment that he's made into your life. But what are you doing with the very thing? That should empower you. Like when I begin to study this and I had spent so much time thinking there was just all this stuff. But man, God, it's just you. 
And I know I make it simple, and it's you, and it's something that I have, but the very thing that I have was a gift from you. Man, that just puts me right back in my seat. I remember one time, uh, Pastor and I were sitting here, I don't remember, it was in the afternoon. I don't remember the whole story in its entirety, but there was some stuff going on, and we were talking and praying, and it seemed to be like stressful stuff. So I don't know if there was just stressful stuff going on in our personal lives or in the church. It doesn't really matter. But we're praying. And I'm not sure this is exactly how it happened, but it's how I remember it happening. So if I don't have this quite right, forgive me, Pastor, but it, hopefully it'll be close enough. But I remember him asking me, like, do you like popcorn? Yo, we're praying, dude. Do you like popcorn? He's like, what do you, f like, you know when you go to the movie and you eat popcorn? Just chill, right? Chill, right? But he's getting all worked up. You're like, well, what does this have to do with faith? Because that's what faith says is, chill, man. I got this, remember? I gave you a piece of meat. I gave you faith. We got this. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you. Four against three. We got this. Chill. Have some popcorn. Be still and chill. There's the new t-shirt. Be still and chill. Box of popcorn on the front. 1095 at the back on your way out today. You can make your checks payable to Damien and Jim. Yeah. I hope you're getting this this morning. I hope it's getting into your spirit. I want to start wrapping this up, not just yet. <laughs> I don't want her to be up here praying, playing for 40 hours. Last week when I shared, and I know we already did a lot of review, but I shared a testimony about I don't know, I'm terrible keeping dates, guys. A week ago, Thursday. I think that's right. Went downtown. Felt like I was supposed to go. Went downtown to the square. More importantly, there's some crazy people down there. They're setting up a tent. I don't know, have you guys heard about this? Like they're setting up a tent. They're like singing songs and worshiping and ministering and preaching the gospel and loving on people. Have any of you heard of that? Nobody? Okay, well, Thursday night, 7 o'clock in the square, if you haven't heard of it, like, there's crazy people running around down there that have faith in God, and they believe, and they're living out the gospel in front of everybody, and I think it's really cool. But anyway, God told me to go. I know by the spirit man I am not introverted, but that night, the introverted man went, and I was just trying... I mean, I hug people, don't get me wrong, but I was trying to be like in the back. I don't want to see anybody. Like, hey, how you doing? Just leave me alone. I was having one of those moments. Not necessarily proud of that. Again, but I wanted to be by myself. Like, it just, I didn't know why God had told me to be there, but I knew he had said go. Like, and my first thing is I'm like, ooh, who does he want me to pray for? <laughs> yes. Who is it, God? Even Rossi came over. Oh, I'm not supposed to call him that. David Rosnowski, sorry. 
came over and he hugged me and I'm like, oh, I love you, I'm so glad to see you. Yeah, like, I know, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm here to do something, I just know it. And I was so busy writing, and they're singing songs and I'm like, oh God, I'm like searching all over, like who is it, what is it, why do you have me? And all I heard was be still. I'm so tired of hearing that. I must not be good at it. Be still. So I did, I'm like, okay God, I hear you. So I remember at the very back of the tent, there's these flaps, right? Like for the door or something. Like people started messing with them and they're like banging me in the head, trying to worship. Hallelujah, God's so good. Hello, Jesus, hallelujah. Okay, when are we gonna stop messing with the tent? Like, be still, be still. Anyway, I found that spot when I was just being still though, like, had this vision and you ever had something like that where you just knew like well that's got to be God because in this vision I wasn't in the square downtown anymore I was standing right here on this stage and my focus was nothing more than on this purple area here and it literally just turned to water it was rippling and it was beautiful. It wasn't like completely still. And I saw this person. I didn't see this person's face, but I just knew in my spirit it was Jesus. I knew it was Jesus. And I just watched him. I couldn't move. I was like frozen. Like I just watched him as he entered the water. And I just remember him sticking his hands in the water, like splashing it. Whatever, and he made his way all through here. And he got over here, and I still couldn't see his face. But he said, tell them to come deeper, and I want you to come deeper with them. And he disappeared. And I remember just standing there, and I was just like, God, where did you go? Why did you leave? God, where? He said, I am the water. I'm the water. Of course, we know that scripture in the Bible where it talks about going from your ankle depth and to your knees and so on and so forth. We know that scripture really well. But there's something inside of me that I just knew the Holy Spirit was saying this again today and to remind you that in the season that we're entering into as New Life Christian Ministries, and as New Life Christian Ministry lives out and plays out its role as a part of the kingdom of God, it is going to be necessary, hear me, it is going to be necessary to live by a new level of faith. And I believe what Jesus was saying that in that moment, it doesn't matter if you don't have any faith right now. You might be here today and you're thinking, I don't know if I even believe in Jesus, but even Jesus did this. He walked in the water, I think, to show us, get in the water, get in the water. And I don't remember from my memory, but I bet there were times if I could look back that the water was moving, right? The level of water was moving. But I was so enthralled with Jesus, what I knew to be Jesus as himself as he was moving. And I know that he was just telling us it doesn't matter whether you're new and you don't have faith or you just feel like I've just got ankle. Deep faith. 
He's calling you deeper. He's calling all of us deeper. And we cannot afford entering into this new season. And that's why we sang the song this morning, New Wine. Because the water, in this sense, is a reflection of that we can't take the old stuff with us. It won't do. But if you're like me, what's wrong with that old wineskin? Hello. If you're like me, you're like, what's wrong with that old wineskin? Well, you know the story. What happens when you take that new thing that God's given you, the new wine, and you shove it into the old wineskin? What happens? It breaks. It wasn't made for that. God is a God that works in times and seasons. And that, those things can be very deep and hard to understand at times. But God's taking New Life Christian Ministries into a new season. He's also taking the kingdom of God, but I'm making it very specific right now, into this season where there's gonna be a new level of faith required of you. That sounds hard. But it doesn't sound hard to me. And let me tell you why. There might be stuff happening and going on and craziness in the world and this, but that doesn't faze me anymore. And I'm just telling you, because it's not my faith anyway. It was a gift from him. He gave it to me. So I know that he can do it through me. In me, to me as a gift, and then through me, if I believe it. God is calling you all, and myself included, and he's asking you, you can come, please, thank you. He's asking you, will you take that step? Now, I'm gonna be real honest and because I believe when you lead people, you have to lead from a place of honesty. And I appreciate so many times when Pastor Damien becomes transparent, right? Because that's what makes it real. That's what makes it real. I don't like to hear that he struggles, but it brings a reality that he's still a man and he's working through all the same stuff that he preaches to you guys and to me. He's working through it himself. It makes it real, it makes it applicable. And the thing is, is last week when this came up, and this isn't made to be a guilt trip, so everybody understand this. Raise your hand and say, I understand. I am not guilting you into anything right now. But we're just gonna let Holy Spirit do what Holy Spirit wants to do in this moment. Because he said, mention it again. So it must be important. This vision. On Monday morning, I broke down. When I mean broke down, I was crying. And I was crying over the vision because when I gave the vision, I envisioned, I envisioned the water being full of people. Luckily, I have a very good friend who checked on me and gave some great wisdom. And I debated like, okay, God, if that's up to you. I can only give the word and I can only speak it. What you do with it or what I do with it is up to each individual. And I was studying yesterday 
up in my office and I clearly heard him say, tell it again. Tell the vision again. My God, I don't wanna do that. I already told the friend that I gave it to you, that's gonna look awkward. I don't care, it's not about that. Tell it again. God is desiring you to come deeper and he's always desiring that, I understand. But there's something specific about this moment in time and this season right now that he's saying, I need you to go deeper in the water. Whatever it looks like, again, the ankle, the knee, his, his sole desire is really to be that you be totally submerged in the water. And that seems kind of scary. As we know the physical realm, we feel like we're out of control, right? Pastor Damien, he doesn't like to swim that much, right? He's not the biggest fan of swimming. And so I can only imagine if you're like him today, that that thought of going underwater and not knowing where anything is, right? Where's the way of escape? Or where's the hand? But we understand that God says, I am the water. The very thing that you think is going to consume you is the thing that I want you to drink of this morning and let it consume you. But to see have the faith of God has to, and the genuine faith and understand that the source of our faith comes from a place of surrender. God, I surrender and I receive the gift. Just like Angie had to take the phone. Will you take the gift of God and will you run with it to a deeper place than you've ever run in your life? So here's the invitation this morning. If you desire that, and it doesn't even matter if you came up last week. By the way, I did one of the coolest things and it wasn't even on video. I did a cannonball into that water right there in the middle. I jumped off the stage and said, let me be first. Because as the revelation of faith comes, I just know I need more of you, God, to do this thing. And I want more of you. Because that's when that prayer in the corner becomes a reality in my life and it's lived out every day. Every day. Some of you are sitting in this place right now and your faith has been shaken to the core and you said the very words that I said, I don't know if I can do it anymore. God's saying, come to the water. Trust me. Have my faith. He's giving it to you. You don't got to work this thing up. I'm giving it to you. But the Holy Spirit is just saying this morning, will you come? 